Chapter 19 Promise of warmth and food had me hurrying to the kitchen. The wooden building radiated heat, and inside the cook shouted orders for sesame oil and ginger, while servants gossiped, stacking liqueur trays and porcelain cups and copper kettles. But when I entered, all became silent. The servants dropped their plates and waved charms to ward off demons. The cooks shut their lids over their clay pots and grabbed their knives. It seemed that Zarina had already sent word of my arrival. I lifted my chin. Let her try and make my life miserable. I'm not staying long anyway. Only the head chef, Chirurun, acknowledged me. If Lady Zarina hadn't warned us you were a demon, I'd mistake you for a fish, he grunted, throwing me a washcloth, short and wide. He had the build of a bear with the sturdiness of a brick and the belly of a bear. He was strong, too, and the cloth landed on my arm with a slap. You reek, girl. I sniffed my hands. He was right. I did smell. After I wiped my hands, he tossed me a pouch of rice wrapped in dried reed leaves, again throwing it with force. Eat quickly, then get to work. I retreated to a corner and wolfed down the meal, savoring the bits of salted pork and pickled cabbage. All too soon, the rice was gone. My sharp pangs of hunger were only half satisfied, but there would be no more food until dinner. My work wasn't so different from my chores at Mrs. Danan's inn. I swept the kitchen and the pantry, washed the dishes, and scrubbed burnt rice off the bottom of the pots. When Chirurin sent me out to fetch wood from the storehouses, I searched the fortress for a way out. Castle Bushin was one of Kiata's smallest strongholds. I could walk the entire perimeter in half an hour, but one of the best defended, situated atop a craggy hill. High stone walls surrounded the castle, except on the east, which bordered the Bayoun River. There were towers festooned with archers, and two gates, one on the north side and one on the south, manned by plenty of guards. Getting out wouldn't be easy, but surviving the Zensa in this cold would be even more difficult. Already frost slicked the surface of my wooden pails. Winter was here. One morning, the kitchen was practically empty when I reported to work. The room was at the st stove, steaming a cake over the fire. It smelled heavenly, warm and sweet, a hint of ginger wafting across the room. Persimmon cake, Lady Magari's favorite, said Chiruin, cutting three slices onto a blue porcelain plate. He set it onto a wooden tray beside a basket of fresh fruits beautifully decorated with a sprig of plum blossoms. She's taken to her bed the past few days, but whenever she requests cake, it's a sign she's on the mend. She specifically asked for you, fish girl, to deliver it. His tone was devoid of insult or judgment, which surprised me, as did Magari's request. Me? It is not my place to question Lady Magari, only to attend to her wishes. Her room is on the uppermost level of the castle in the East Mountain Wing, left corridor. She should be practicing her music at this hour, so follow the sound of her lute if you become lost. Chiruin returned his attention to the iron pots whistling over the fire. Dinner, I presumed. Don't linger, he said sharply. This is not a respite from your chores. And if the maids see you on the way back from the orchard, I will not defend you. I grabbed the tray, nodding to show I understood. Wrap a scarf around your head so the guards don't see the bowl. They'll ask a few questions that way. Chiruin's foresight turned out to be correct. Although the guards inspected my tray of persimmon cake, no one questioned my presence inside the castle. The halls were narrow, barely wide enough for two to walk side by side, and the paneled walls were wooden and sparse, unlike the gilded door frames and painted murals in the imperial palace. As I followed the soft strumming of a moon lute upstairs, a room with open doors caught my eye. Inside were two embroidery frames, a loom, and a spinning wheel, not unlike Rikama's old sewing room. This way, Megari claimed, peeking out from her room down the hall. I worried you were lost. I hurried inside and set the tray on one of her liqueured tables. Megari watched me inquisitively, her hands clasped behind her back. A gentle flush tinged her cheeks, but her breathing was short and there were shadows under her eyes. 
I hoped the cake would make her feel better faster. Wait, don't go, she said as I turned for the door. I've been wanting to talk to you all week. I bowed my head and pointed toward the kitchen building. Chiron is waiting for me. Sit, sit, she insisted. It's an order. Megari waited until I sank into one of her silk pillows. I could have fallen asleep then and there if I hadn't been so worried that I stank of fish. She reached for the plumpest fruit in the basket. Have a persimmon. This year's crop is the sweetest yet. I would know, since they're my most favorite fruit. Take some cake, too. Thank you. I tucked a persimmon into my pocket, but the cake I wolfed down in three ravenous bites. My stomach growled so loudly I was thankful the curse only penalized my tongue for speaking. Otherwise, my brothers would be long gone. Eat more, said Magari. Mother and father always say that courage is the bushy in creed. But in times like these, I wish it were more like keep to yourself and drink tea. Maybe then my oaf of a brother wouldn't have, have us all agonizing over what's happened to him. I stopped chewing, swallowed. No, you should eat. I've been stuffing myself with persimmons and cakes, trying not to worry about talking. But I shouldn't. Worry, I mean. Magari straightened, though her shoulders still trembled. He promised to be back before the winter festival, and he never breaks a promise. He's too afraid of me to even try. I offered her a brave smile. I knew what it was like to worry about brothers. The last time I had spoken to Talkin, he had asked me to come to Eero. It was beautiful, he'd said. His eagerness to return home was plain to see. He would not have kept away my cho by choice, not without word to his family, not unless something terrible has happened. I feel better now that you're here, though, Magari said, perking up a little. Her small shoulders still shook, but she reached for one of her dolls and hugged it. I have a feeling I know why he gave you his emblem. You're like a girl out of one of his stories. His sm my smile turned inquisitive. His stories? Talking didn't strike me as a spinner of tales, but what did I know about my former betrothed? I hadn't even been able to recognize that this brute of a cousin was traveling under his name. I suppose it's my duty to watch over you until he's back, said Magari. Gods know what terrible lies Hasej and Zarina have spread about you with that bowl on your head. You can't take it off, can you? I twisted my lips, expressing the obvious. That's unfortunate, the little girl sighed. It's odd, you know. Zarina wasn't always a bully, not like my cousin. Now they're like two blossoms on the same rotten branch, Magari rose. My mom will keep Hasej in line at least, at least, but these days Zarina could set the whole castle on fire and Mama wouldn't blame her. I spread my arms in question. Why is that? Because her parents were killed by bandits deep in the Zenza. Mama was devastated. Lady Tessa was her best friend. That explained the white robes. Zarina was in mourning. I heard you were found in the Zenza too, said Magari, opening her desk drawer. Were you on your way home? I didn't know how to answer that, so she could understand. She took out a sheet of parchment and offered me a brush and ink she had already prepared. Can you write? If you tell me where you're from, I can ask Oriyu to send you back. Or you could point to a map. I hesitated at Sparrow Inn. I'd consider telling Talkin who I was, but Raykama's curse had stopped me. My stepmother couldn't know I was an hero. Did I dare try again with Magari? My wrist tensed. The starstruck burns, making it hard for my fingers to hold something so delicate. But I ignored the pain. I am... I lifted my head, not daring to continue. It was a test. These two innocent words. I waited with my brush hovering over the paper. Nothing happened. No foreboding shadows. No snakes. Was I finally out of Rekama's reach? I dipped my brush into the ink eagerly. There was so much to say. I could tell, I could tell her to bring me back to my brothers, or that my stepmother was a sorceress, or that my brothers had been turned into cranes. But as I started to write, the ink splattered, spreading impossibly into the shape of a nebulous black serpent. The, blur the brush slipped from my hand. I'm sorry, I mouthed, blotting the precious pages with my sleeve. The serpent had vanished, but ink had spilled all over her desk. It's only a spill, said Magari. It was no spill. 
My hands curled into fists as a wave of heat washed over my face. There would be no writing to Father, no soliciting Magari's help. Nowhere was I safe from Ray Common's curse. The serpent still burning in my memory, I scrambled for the tray I had brought. I needed to leave to get back to the kitchen, but the door suddenly opened from the other side, and in strode Zarina with a pot of steaming tea. Eating cakes again, Magari? She swept right past me as if I didn't exist. Aren't you tired of persimmons by now? Persimmon cake, persimmon soup, persimmon tea. The last time you ate so much, you were sick for days. I was tired, not sick, Magari said flatly, and it's my favorite fruit. Yes, and I'd say you've had enough of it, Zarina surveyed the crumbs on the plate with a wrinkled nose. Besides, what does in the land in like Cherurin know about making sweets? The only desserts worth eating are from Trajinda. Serena set down the tray and poured a cup of tea for the young girl. Perhaps when winter is over, I'll send for money, monkey cakes. I could, t I could use a taste of home. Monkey cakes were Trajinda's most famous dessert. Even my brothers, who didn't have a predilection for sweets, always sought them from the stalls at the summer festival. I liked them, too. They reminded me of the cakes my mother used to make, cakes I doubted I would ever taste again. Magari lowered her moon lute cautiously. Will you? Really? Yes, but only if you finish your tea. You're on the mend, Magari, so long as you eat your vegetables and stop inviting wild girls into your chambers. I'd finished cleaning the spill, and Zarina at least at last acknowledged me with a glare. She's a demon worshipper. Didn't you hear your mother? Magari struck a loud, jarring chord. My mother didn't say that. Hasej did. Just as well. Hasej is an idiot. You used to think so, too. When I was your age, Zarina said tersely. Then I learned to have more respect. Hasej is out there risking his life to search for your brother. He might be Tarkin's only hope of making it home alive. Magari's shoulders fell, and Zarina refilled her tea. That's a good girl. Now continue practicing your music. I'll see that Lena returns to the kitchen. Before Magari could protest, Zarina grabbed me by my sash and dragged me out. Once we were down the hall, she snatched the persimmon from my pocket. Stealing, are we? She lifted a hand to slap me, but I'd had enough of that from Mrs. Danan. I caught her wrist, holding it high, and her eyebrows shot up with shock. There we stood in the middle of the cramped hall, locked in a furious standstill. I raised my chin, daring her to call for the sentinels. What I didn't expect was for her to drop the persimmon. It fell to the hard wooden floor, and she smashed it with her foot, pressing down with all her strength. When she stepped away, all that remained was a mess of a pulp. Stunned, I let go of her hand, and she spun on her heel, knowing that in some unspoken way she had won. Snow fell that evening, the first I had seen, but not the first of the season. A reminder that my birthday, the first day of winter, had passed during the week I had been in the castle dungeon. I used to start counting down the days and weeks as soon as the autumn festival passed, but this year I had completely forgotten. I closed my eyes, pretending I was home, and imagining the celebration banquet. The musicians, the dancers, the entire palace smelling of pine and cedar, the roofs decorated with carpets of snow. I imagined arriving in a festival palanquin with plush silk satin cushions, attired in a scarlet jacket with a long brocade sash, and a headdress woven with silken plum blossoms and all the flowers of winter, and the food, braised pumpkin with pork and ginger, rice cakes with pureed red beans, sea bass marinated in sweet wine with pickled carrots. It was so real in my mind I could practically taste the dishes, but my belly wasn't fooled and the only guests at my birthday banquet this year were the rats squeaking around my slippers. To celebrate, I set aside the starstroke, giving my hands a day of rest. I lay in the fish cellar, watching moonlight pierce the gaps between the bricks and catching the flecks of melted snow that slid through the roof slats. Only a few months ago, I had to remind everyone I was 16, not a child. If I were ever to return, I doubted anyone would make that mistake again. Those last few months have stretched out like years. I could hardly believe I was only 17. 
Halfway through the night, something tickled my nose. I swatted at my face, thinking it was a fly. Is that how you greet me, Shiori, when I've come all this way to wish you a happy belated birthday? Kiki! I bolted up, my little bird perched upon my hand, and I cradled her close to my chest. I missed you so much. I followed you, but she showed me her wing, which had become bent from the storm. Oh, you poor thing! I straightened the crease, thumbing the silvery gold etchings on her wing. So delicate they looked like feathers. There, good as new. Kiki beat her wings gratefully, but when she spoke, her voice wobbled. I worried that boar of a sentinel might have killed you. He didn't thank the eternal courts, but you'll never guess where he brought us. She rotated her neck and wrinkled the tip of her beak. To the fishmongers? I laughed silently. Welcome to my belated birthday banquet, I thought in my most festive voice. Boasted, hosted this year in Castle Bushian's most luxurious fish cellar. This is Castle Bushian, she exclaimed. Ironic, isn't it? I thought wryly. But I thank Amirian that you're here. I could use some help getting out of this place. Getting out? The cold will kill you, Shiori. You should stay here until winter is over. Stay and finish the net. Then reunite with your brothers in the spring. There's still time, I insisted. The Zen says right outside Iro. They can't be too far. There's a reason the Zen says called the never-ending forest. Kiki burrowed herself into my hair, her voice close to my ear. Think, Shiori. What good is reuniting with your brothers without the net? They'll be looking for me. I'll spread word among the creatures of the forest that you're well. She interrupted. Your brother should be searching for Rekama's name, not worrying about keeping you safe. You're a distraction to them, just as they are to you. How are they a distraction to me? Look at your hands, Kiki, brushing against the scars on my palm. Even that made me wince. Will you be able to finish the starstroke net without making a sound? Yes, I nodded staunchly. I will. That, that is because you have a strong will. But you'll need more than that to beat this curse. You'll need a strong heart. Too. For all the joy your brothers bring you, you wouldn't be able to laugh with them or joke with them or talk with them at night, and in the day you'd torture yourself with guilt when they become cranes. You'd be miserable, and the last thing you'd want is to work on the starstroke. She threw up her wings, her way of showing disbelief. Besides, do you really want to spend all winter cooped up in that cave? Deep down, I knew she had a point. Now that winter was here, the cave would be even colder than my cellar. But my heart was set on finding my brothers again and breaking our curse together. Nothing could sway me. You think this fortress is in a cage? That my tasks here aren't a distraction, I retorted. Everyone treats me like a monster, Kiki. I can't even go to the river to look for Seryu. I won't stay, not while there's still the chance. Kiki sniffed. Stubborn girl, it's a bad idea. I'm telling you so. If you attempt to escape, the best possible outcome is to end up back in the dungeon again. Don't say I didn't warn you. I won't, I replied silently, pulling the blanket up to my shoulders. I was 17 now, wise enough to know that that was the only one to blame for my decisions was me.